0: Listen for the word of the Lord. This morning we're reading out of the Gospel of Matthew as we begin this new liturgical year. We shift from the Hebrew Scriptures into the Gospels this year. This morning we read from chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. So each week as I begin to work on the sermon early in the week, sometimes Sunday afternoon, sometime Monday afternoon, I'm reading this text, the one that's coming for the coming Sunday. But I read it not only in the New Revised Standard Version that I've just read to you, but I pull out other translations or versions. Sometimes I'm reading through the King James Version or the New International Version or American Standard or Contemporary English. There's lots of Variety in terms of translations. And I do that to try to get a fresh perspective, maybe pick up on a nuance where one translator will use a different English word to translate whatever's in the original language, or maybe they phrase the whole sentence differently and it brings a new insight. I was doing that for this week when I was reading through the message version. It's really more of a paraphrase, it's put together by Dr. Eugene Peterson, who is a professor for years and then spent about a decade writing out his version of the Bible in contemporary English. And I read the first verse that we read today, verse 36, where in the New Revised Standard Version it says, about that day and hour no one knows. But this is the way the message translation captures that. And I think Dr. Peterson got this one right. I've put it in your outline. You have no idea what day your master will show up. It's kind of blunt, but it kind of captures the sense of this passage that we should not try to predict when the end of the world might come or Christ might come back in some kind of cataclysmic way. There are the few portions of the scripture that use this kind of imagery, but Peterson captures it, I think. You have no idea. So it's a message to all those who are trying to figure out when is this time coming? You have no idea. And of course, that's proven true throughout the centuries. Lots of people have tried to predict the end of the world or the coming, the second coming of Christ. Let's just be clear. They have all been wrong. But more than that, they missed the whole thrust of this passage. They're going and a direction that i think is not intended at all in the scriptures we have no idea 2000 years ago they had no idea what was coming when this baby was going to be born today we have no idea really when jesus might come into our lives or come into the world in a fresh way through a, another person or a fresh proclamation and all of a sudden we see oh christ is among us god is at work in this place god's love has been born anew here we really have no idea when the kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven we pray that every week but we have no idea when it will come in its fullness it's all wrong actually to try to spend your time predicting when that day might come. That's the wrong emphasis. It misses the point. The story clearly says, that's Jesus speaking in this passage. You cannot know. I would caution you not to spend a lot of time, maybe not any time, trying to figure out if the end is coming in your lifetime. I will tell you, I do not expect it to come in my lifetime. That is not What this passage is really about this passage this story exhorts us to be ready to stay awake but not on a specific day or date that's not the point at all rather it says be ready stay awake as a way of life as a way to experience the fullness of of God's love and the life that Christ reveals to us, not only now, but in the life to come. But there are those who spend a lot of time on the other kind of interpretation. There's the famous left-behind series in which the authors spend a lot of time trying to describe for you this cataclysmic end and how terrible it's going to be for some and how God's going to rapture some and take them to paradise and others Will be left here for terror and warfare and bloodshed interesting that those books began to be written in the mid 1990s coming up to the year 2000 you remember all the stir coming up to 2000 about how this might be the end of the world party like it's 1999 because 2000 will never get here remember y2k Everything was going to fall apart. It was going to be a cataclysmic turn from one calendar year to another. It was pretty boring, actually. None of that happened, right? I hope you can remember that. But these people who wrote these left-behind books, clever marketing, they used all the stir about the year 2000 to help them sell books, and they sold lots of them. They've made movies. They've published more books. It's a whole series. But I'm suggesting to you, it all misses the point of what Jesus is saying in our text today. Those kind of interpretations take a few verses out of Scripture Ignore the major themes of Scripture. Ignore even the larger flow that we'll look at in a minute in Matthew and build a whole theology on these few verses. It's the wrong kind of interpretation, I think, to help us live the Christian life. That kind of interpretation takes these references literally, then embellishes them rather than looking at them symbolically. They miss all the metaphor, if you will, in this. But if this text is not about the rapture, is not literally saying some of us are going to be snatched away and some are going to be left here, then what is this all about? I think our best clue is to look at the larger story of what Jesus is teaching, to look at the larger flow, look at the narrative of the Gospel of Matthew Don't get caught only in these few verses we read today. We're reading in chapter 24. By the time you get to this point in Matthew's gospel, the tension between Jesus and the Jewish authorities has been building. There's been this back and forth about what's the essence of religion, and they do not agree. Jesus is a reformer. The religious authorities are protecting the status quo and who's in power and who's out of power and focusing on who gets in and who must be put out. Jesus is all about widening the circle, reaching to the margins, drawing more and more people in. Well, if we look at the flow of Matthew, let's just take a couple of minutes to do that so I can illustrate what I mean. If you flip back. In your Bible to chapter 22 it's about the time Jesus is coming to the end of his public ministry and he summarizes his whole ministry if you will the whole the gospel the whole of Scripture when a Pharisee asked him a question about what is the greatest commandment and you if you've read this remember his answer he says oh there's really two parts of this love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the main point. Love God, love your neighbor. Then, right after that, he turns to chapter 23. And in chapter 23, Jesus begins to go into this long critique. He turns his full attention to a lengthy critique of the Jewish authorities, these scribes and Pharisees with whom he's been discussing what religion is all about he is saying they are too legalistic that they're too focused on all the regulations and rules so much so that they miss the main point the theme is that they do not practice what they preach because they're so focused on the regulation and keeping people out as the heart of religion They're missing the true relationship with God and one another that faith is all about. They're missing the essence of religion, if you will, in terms of including people and bringing people into the experience of the love of God. Well, by the time he gets to the end of chapter 23, Jesus has moved into a section where he laments over the destruction of Jerusalem and how things have gone so horribly wrong, and the leadership is drawing the people in the wrong direction. It's going to end with the total destruction of Jerusalem in this generation. And of course, on that part, he is right. Within about 40 years, the Romans come with full strength and destroy Jerusalem for all practical purposes. Then we get to chapter 24. And the passage we read today about this need to be watchful or mindful, to stay awake, to be ready, to be in touch with what's going on around us. And then right after that passage, we read, Matthew lists three parables that Jesus teaches. They're all about wakefulness and watchfulness and being ready in terms of living your life with a ready spirit being awake, stay awake, be attentive to God, all of that kind of thing. And those parables lead us right into chapter 25. Right after those three parables, there's a section in my Bible, the subtitle is The Judgment of the Nations. But you may remember it as when Jesus tells this parable about separating sheep and goats and how we'll be able to tell who the true righteous are and those who are Missing the point I want to read you just a few verses out of chapter 25 because it's all a part of the same section the same part of the narrative if you will as Matthew tells it about what Jesus point about faith is all about so this is what Jesus says in this parable about the separating of people he says come you that are blessed by my father You did it to me can you see how that's part the part we read is part of a much bigger section about what does faith look like and the difference between just saying words and what it really looks like to embody the love of God in your life or to live out the heart of religion can you hear the emphasis That it's not about the words you say or the people you sit with. It's all about asking the question, did you practice simple kindness and goodness? Love of neighbor. So that brings us back to the interpretation of this whole passage. The interpretation of being ready or staying awake. I'm suggesting to you that Jesus is saying what we have to be ready for. Be ready to offer a cup of water to someone who's thirsty, a morsel of food to someone who is hungry, a garment to someone who needs clothing, a welcome to someone who needs to be included, a visit to someone who's isolated because of illness or in prison. It's the practice of this love that we have received in Christ as we share it with others that makes all the difference. And Jesus is saying, be ready or stay awake so that you can live like this all the time, not just for a specific day. It's not like dress up for a certain day because it's all going to be over. And if you look right, you stand in the right place and you're with the right group at that time, you get in Jesus is saying, live like this every day. Now is the time. Be ready. Stay awake because you have opportunity coming your way that you're not aware of. You never know when you might be able to share the love of God in Christ with someone else. So be awake because you do not know. And in addition, Jesus is also saying, stay awake, be attentive to God because that's the best way to live. That's the way to experience life abundant and life eternal. The good news is that anybody can do this. I've put that in your outline. Hear this. The good news is that anybody can do this. Everybody can do this, right? Everybody can decide to be generous. Everyone can decide to treat someone else else with goodness and respect All of us could decide to treat everyone we meet as if we are meeting Christ Jesus himself. Joanne Jenkins is CEO of AARP, the American Association of Retired People. So she's targeting an audience 50, 55 and older. But I've put a quote in your outline from her that I read in a story about her just recently. I think it speaks to us today. She says we are living in a moment when generosity matters more than ever. When generosity matters more than ever. The story went on to say that through her work, she sees people suffering in nursing homes or sometimes home alone or in other healthcare facilities she sees the carnage. This is wreaking this virus, this pandemic on people physically. But she goes on to talk about, of course, there's this emotional toll that it's taking on all of us who are living through this loss of jobs, the uncertainty of the economy or our income, the disruption in our schedules. If we have children, disruption in schools and routines. She talks about all the losses create uncertainty and anxiety and stress that everybody is feeling right now. And then she quotes the founder of the AARP. Her name was Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus. She said this, it is only in the giving of oneself to others that we truly live. And Joanne's saying, let's think about generosity. Let's think about giving to others. She concluded the story that I was reading with this. During this month of national Thanksgiving, in this most challenging of years, let's all be thankful for the gifts we have received. Then let's open our hearts and pay it forward to those in need during these days. Trying times Jesus says you have no idea what's gonna happen next you have no idea when the judgment may come Or the Son of Man is coming therefore live every day as if now is the time live every day As if now is today live every day As if now is the time so give now love now be kind now love god now love your neighbor right now do this and you shall live do this and pandemic or not you will have a rich advent and christmas to celebrate amen and thanks be to god